This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Miss Sambal Vinaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nagama and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dean Halitau. Yes, to everyone and welcome to the show. Before we get into it, uh, tomorrow is International Day for People with Disabilities, so uh, make sure you acknowledge that tomorrow. On our show today, we've got plenty coming up, including a look back at the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with Tane Samuel uh, and we've got a new question for you can ask that. But as always, we'll kick off the show with a story from Sarah. Story, what do you got? <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you can hear it, but my voice is struggle, struggling today, sorry. Um, and the reason for that is I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, why did I lose my voice? Yes, I did have one too many beverages on the weekend, but I also have never emceed as many events as I did last week. It was like record-breaking for me. Well, you're a, you're a media uh, gun at the moment. So you're, you're, you're very kind when so you say you're, that. So you're getting asked to do... All these events, I'm saying a lot of events, they just keep turning to, are you charging the right rate for yourself or? Oh yes. I don't come cheap. Okay, I don't good. come that's cheap. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but they were good events, yeah? They were fantastic events and it was really, really cool. Uh, earlier in the week, I had the opportunity to go to the New South Wales Partners Lunch and that was really nice and very small and intimate. And then on the Friday, I had the Blues Dinner, which is a traditional Sydney University um, event where we had like a bagpiper leading us into the room and we had the wow. Carillion playing in the organ. And I'm looking at it, this room being like, fire out. I seriously don't know what I, what I'm doing, but you know, winged it. But the best thing about it was like my team and I, we did plan this event. So it was pretty cool to see it from concept through to completion, but I'm so tired and my voice is a reflection of it. I'm sure we'll get through today. All right. Oh, hundred percent. This is the best part of my week. Dan. Yeah. How good. How, how about good. you? What's been happening in the world of Hala? I mentioned last week that I had some home um, renovations <laughs> oh, yes. to do. Like Better home. homes and gardens. Yeah. That continued on the weekend. I've got sore hands, sore back from trying to build a deck. So, um, Are you still building the deck? Yeah, I only started last. It was a lot of rain last. Oh, I thought weeks, you so. completed the deck. No, no, I did like the the first part of it, which was the framing and the structure underneath. And then last weekend was doing the decking boards on top, which is a lot of screws, like five hundred odd screws. And how do you even know how to create a deck? Google's really good for like. Yeah, Come on now, a love a DIY. So, and I just yeah accumulated tools over the years. So that's basically been yeah my my life this week is trying to work and then go home and work again. Yeah, yeah, really exciting. Love that. What's happened on the field this week? Well, what's making news? Well, we talked about this last week and our story for this week is about the eligibility rule change that has that has taken place in world rugby. Well, this is this is a big move, particularly for what we mentioned last week about emerging nations or, or second tier nations that are trying to become more competitive. Earlier in, in this calendar year, we've seen the All Blacks have some huge victories over mm. the likes of Fiji and, and Tonga and um, you know, Wallabies. The, it, 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 the, the Wallabies. The Wallabies come good eventually, but uh, it, it sort of raises a question mark over the strength of the game beyond a handful of teams. So this eligibility rule, which is going to open the opportunity for players to represent either the country that they're born from or are born in, I should say, or whether they have a parent or a grandparent in that nation. So this is going to be really good for those emerging nations. There's going to be some probably teething issues, but um, do you want to go through what the actual criteria are to, to qualify? Of course. So the revision to Regulation 8 of the laws is that players must stand down from international rugby for three years. Like you said, they either must be born in the country they wish to transfer to or they can have a parent or grandparent that was born in that country. And they can only change once, subject to approval by the World Rugby Regulations Committee to preserve integrity. So they've thought this through, They, right? they really have. I have a bit of a qualm. 
I have a qualm. What's the qualm? My qualm is that players have to stand down from international rugby for three years. Why I find this so controversial is, as we know, World Cup in rugby only happens every four years. So if Dean Hallettau, who's played for New Zealand, decides to stand down or would like to change to say play for the Wallabies, you miss out on three years, which is the most important period in the lead up to a World Cup. So I don't know how that law actually benefits players because as we all know, shared experiences and team cohesion and being with a team, playing with them consistently goes a long way to ensuring quality performances. So three years, I think is a bit harsh. Like I get one year, two years max, three years, mate, you're bloody kidding yourselves. (laughs) I, I was confused when I read this, and it, and it might be different the way that it's written within the rule. I'm, I'm not too sure, but True. the World Cup's in less than two years from now, right? It's in 2023. So for this to actually benefit the next World Cup, that rule couldn't work the way that it is now, the way that it's worded, because three years is past that. So, yeah, but, yeah, but you're right. I, I don't, I don't understand. And players are very different in three years. Like they, they may, they may be hanging up the boots. They, they'll be completely so different many different reasons. If they're standing, sitting out of international rugby, they don't get that experience and that level of competitiveness. So I'm not too. That, there might be a, a bit of a asterisk against that that rule. I'm not too sure of, but at the end of it, it's good that that those emerging nations are going to be able to be strengthened. I absolutely agree with you. There are so many players who could benefit from going back to play for their home country, many of which have expressed interest to do so, but because of the legalities of this law, they haven't had that. So it'll be really interesting to see how this unfolds. This is really exciting in the lead up to World Cup, which is happening in two years' time. And yeah, we'll just have to watch this space. We'll have to dig deeper. Staying with rugby and the Sevens uh, circuit kicked off last week in Dubai. Uh, There was a couple of surprising results. I might say, well, not the first one in the the men's... um, side of the draw the the South African men's team went on to win so they're killing it in 15s at the moment they're ranked number one in the world and they've taken out the first uh, Dubai sevens this year really exciting for them and in the women's Australia won the competition this is really exciting for the girls because as we all know they didn't do extremely well at the Tokyo Olympics so huge huge performance I do want to note Fiji uh, was in the final match um, against Australia but unfortunately they fell short my goodness, my sisters are on fine, really fighting for these titles. Yeah, they are. They are. And the Australian women's, they've carried on some good form from the Olympics. I know they didn't get the title there, but um, it very good for them to, to carry on that form. Just want to mention Charlotte Kaslik, who we all know is absolutely Aussie rugby royalty. Uh, she scored her 100th try on this most recent World Circuit. So congratulations to Kaslik. That's a lot of tries. Don't know anything about scoring tries in a three digits. <laughs> Neither do I. Well off. <laughs> Before we move on, talking about the Fijian men's side, we do know that this was a very, very young, new-faced squad. They had 11 debutants, so them coming fourth isn't hugely surprising, but it is justified considering how many new faces are now part of their squad. Yeah, unfortunately uh, for Fiji, they went down in the bronze medal match to Argentina, so disappointing. Argentinians? Tinians? Argentinians, yes. yeah. Yeah, you said that right. Yeah. So disappointing for them not to get at least a, a third spot, but good experience for those players. And they get another opportunity next week anyway. So hopefully they Let's go, improve. Fiji. Take out Take a bit top a bit. spots in both men's and women's. NFL, we're in week 12. Dean Hallettau, give us a bit of an update of what's happening here. Yeah, well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by, I think he's 46 or 45 now, Tom Brady, who's just the all-time gold. He's got a handful of rings. I think he needs two hands for his That's rings. He's so got that crazy, many championships. Man. They had a really tight contest against the Indianapolis Colts. They got the victory 38-31. to 31. Standout performance from uh, Leonard Fournette. 
he got four touchdowns in the game. So he had a huge performance. But we're keeping an eye on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we would like to see the progress of Vita Bay, who's their nose tackle. So he's right at the front of the offensive line, making sure that people don't get through. Uh, but yeah, there was uh, something coming up later in socials that I've dug up. Um, anyway, we'll get into that well, later. I look forward to hearing about it. Other matches we keep an eye on. Miami Dolphins beat the Carolina Panthers 33-10. to 10. It's a bit of a run now for the Miami Dolphins into a tongue of Vailoa there. Uh, quarterback who has had a, a patchy season with injuries. Um, he's back on the field. I think he completed at like 87%, um, which for a quarterback is really good. So 87% of his passes hit their targets. Really big game. And, and to... To get one over the Panthers, who have had Cam Newton, their quarterback, return to the team. He's a gun. Um, they expected big things from him. Um, but, yeah, stopped by the Miami Dolphins. So, big performance from them. And Kendrick Bourne, who I keep mentioning week after week, he's Samoan. He's uh, a wide receiver for the New England Patriots. He got two touchdowns on the weekend. So, he's got five for the season. He's becoming one of their, their premier targets. And one of them was, I think it was like a 41-yard touchdown where he caught it, middle of the field, headed out to the right, skirted down the sideline and, and got the touchdown. So, it was really... Impressive performance from Kendrick Bourne, um, giving the New England Patriots a 36-13 win over the Tennessee Titans, who at one point were a Super Bowl threat, I guess, but now they're sort of slipping out of contention. Love that. Such a thorough analysis. Thank you so much, Dean. (laughs) No problem. Do you want a lesson for this week? I do want a lesson, and my lesson is around divisions. Yeah, so like in, in sports, say in the NRL here, we've got 16 teams in the NRL, and that's it, right? In the NFL, they've got two conferences. So there's the American Football conference and the national football conference and then within those conferences there's four divisions and there's four teams in each division so it's really really um big big yeah there's 32 teams in their competition altogether, and they're spread out across the states and each of those divisions is separated directional so it's north east south and west and they're i might get into the playoffs structure in another episode because it's pretty detailed but I think it was like you go back 40 years when the NFL first started, there was a couple of competitions that were separate. They got merged in together and, and that's how they sort of come to this arrangement. Great. That's divisions. Four, four divisions in two separate conferences. Four divisions in two separate conferences. I've 32 learned, teams. 32 teams. Yeah. I've learned something new today. There you go. Cheers, Allah. <laughs> Talanoa time. On Can You Be More Pacific? This week on Talanoa Time, we're very lucky to be joined by Tane Samuel. He's the latest uh, recruit to the Brisbane Bullets as a development player. He's coming across from New Zealand, formerly with the Wellington Saints, where he uh, enjoyed some success. And uh, he's a pretty handy basketball shooter. Tane, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Well, Tane, tell us a little bit about where you're at now because you, you're you're emerging talent on the scene in basketball and the season is getting underway. Tell us about um, yeah, how you got over to Australia. I mean, it was a long process. I, I tried to get over here last year, but it was a bit tough with the COVID situation and whatnot. And, um, you know, my stats and stuff, my, my performance wasn't as, as good as it was this year. So kind of had to stick back and, you know, stick to the grind. And it worked out for me. You know, I'm over here now. And now I just got to, you know, put my foot down and, and show them what I can do out here and why I belong in this in this league. So how long have you been uh, in based in Brisbane for now? I think it's a, almost almost going on two months now, if not a little bit longer. Such early days. Is it really different from New Zealand living here in Australia? Oh, mate. Uh, the first thing I had to get used to was the heat. I got <laughs> off that plane. I was, I was wearing a full track suit. I was like, oh, my God, no one warned me about this. I thought it was supposed to come later on in the year. <laughs> No, welcome to Australia. We can experience four seasons in one day. 
Um, oh, Maddie, that, that's similar to Wellington. <laughs> Love that. Well, you you obviously are an emerging talent in the game of basketball, but I'm curious to know, where did it all start for you? I was always around basketball, really. Like my dad, my dad was heavily into his basketball, so me and my brother kind of grew up, you know, watching and always had a ball in our hands. But then it kind of it kind of died down because you know in New Zealand rugby's rugby's massive, like it's a lot bigger than basketball. Mm. So we kind of we took that pathway, and then it changed back during during high school. We ended up taking it a lot more serious, you know, getting into the the representative side of things, and then we saw that the like what pathways you could take out of it. Because rugby, for everyone back in New Zealand, it's like, you want to make the All Blacks stay in New Zealand, play in New Zealand. But basketball, we saw that there's, there's a lot more opportunity, I feel, like going to college, studying, playing basketball, and the international travel as well. So that's that's kind of what caught my eye with the basketball side of things. So it was more so the opportunity and where the game could take you compared to rugby union was the ultimate deciding factor for you pursuing basketball? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, actually. I know you can go places with rugby, but yeah, basketball took me places early on in my career. I find that so hugely fascinating because I play rugby union and I know that New Zealand is such avid supporters of the game and it's something that's that's really heavily embedded from grassroots um, coming through. So the fact that you've pursued mm-hmm. a different career path is is also a, a, a show of your character of, you know, might not necessarily be the, the path that's often travelled, but you're clearly making a name for yourself. How does that make you feel? It's amazing for me, honestly. It, it brings me a sense of comfort as well, like knowing that I may have been able to, you know, show other Pacifica people that rugby isn't like rugby is a is a good option, but it's not always the the first option. Like we can make like make waves in other other aspects of like the professional sports world. You, you mentioned before the the college um, pathway. Obviously, the the American system is is through the college system, and um, is that something that was on your radar as well to, to potentially head over to the States. And I, I know that there's a number of domestic competitions around the world that maybe could be options for you. Have you, have you looked further afield in Australia as well? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I've always like, always kept my, my options open, my, my ears. I always listen to what's been like being offered to me. And um, Australia is obviously, it's one of the biggest leagues. I, personally, I feel like this is probably the second best league in the world, if not the, like the top three. It's a good endorsement for for the NBL because it's probably something that just being over here locally, it doesn't get a lot of airtime in Australia, the, the the NBL, but we know that there's talent and, and talent often heads abroad for, for bigger opportunities. But to know that um, the competition itself is, is quite strong here is is good for aspiring basketballers here and, and uh, in New Zealand. Yeah, it's definitely bloomed over the last few years, the NBL, like in the, the size of like, like the advertising the league and, and who's played in the league. It's It's just got massive... I know there's a lot of people back in back in New Zealand that they do aspire to play for. If it's not the breakers, then just to make this league in general. Now, I mentioned at the top that you're a, a bit of a dead eye as a shooter. We have you at 47 percent for your three point shooting percentage. Is that is that accurate as to where you are now? Oh, right now, no, no, no. It <laughs> <laughs> was last season. That was last season, last yeah, season. okay. I love it because when we read it, Dean actually Googled uh, Stephen Curry's, uh, his percentage, and your, your your percentage is much higher. So we're like, God, we're speaking to a goat of basketball right now. <laughs> no, that was my percentage back in New Zealand and our, our NBA, but coming here, it's a lot It's a lot different. There's a lot of things to factor in, and uh, i got a long way to go if I want to, you know, make waves in this league. Well, but at no, least the shooting, the shooting will come along. At least you uh, managed to win a championship over there with that shooting percentage. So uh, it's good signs for the future, no doubt. Yeah. Now, 
Tell us a little bit about uh, your background culturally. Uh, obviously, you come from New Zealand. You're Māori and, and Samoan. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about culture in your family and what it means to you. Oh, I'm also I'm also Tongan as well. Oh, so there you go. There you go. Touch of all the islands. I like that, friend. Yeah, yeah. So no, um, culture is a big thing. Like we grew up, you know, heavily embedded into us with the Māori side of things. Just like being Māori in, in New Zealand, it's it's really something to be proud of. Mm. And um, you know, my family's always you know, told me to carry my roots with me and just always be in touch with your roots and your family. And for me personally, I've kind of, I've kind of lost my way with the culture side of things. But in the, in the recent years, like last year, probably I got more in touch with it, you know, like just the food side of it. My grandma teaching me how to cook certain things. And um, that's probably the most culture I have right now because I can't, I can't speak the tongue. I'm, I really understand like sentences and stuff, but I mean, starting with the, with how to cook certain foods, that's a good start for me. <laughs> There are definitely certain ways that you can celebrate culture. I love that you touched on the language component because I recently took up Fijian language lessons um, with my partner and it's been the most rewarding thing to to practice my native tongue again because, yeah, language and food and dance, those are ways that we can preserve um, our culture. I just want to ask a little bit more about the basketball league. What is the demographic in the basketball league? Are there a lot of Pacifica players? Uh, in, in the recent days, yes, there is. I think basketball in, in high school back in New Zealand is almost at number one spot for being the, the most played sport. But um, yeah, no, there's, there's actually a lot of Islanders, I feel, that play the sport. Because I know, I know that heaps of my mates love it and heaps of them play in school and we go and play all the time, like just little pickup games and stuff. So I feel like there is, yeah, the demographic is, there's a lot of Pacific people in the sport at the moment back home. Do they look to guys like Stephen Adams over in the NBA as, as kind of a source of inspiration? Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's he's probably the biggest inspiration for all us Pacifica back home. Like he's, he's the one that everyone looks up to. I mean, he's cracked it. He's still in the NBA. He's making an insane amount of money, and that's that's kind of what people want to do. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> You're now here in Australia. You've landed yourself a contract. What is your biggest goal coming up um, in the upcoming season? Um, oh, just to... I don't know, just to push the ceiling higher for myself, really. And just, you know, because I don't feel like I've reached my potential yet in the basketball scene. So, yeah, just to keep keep pushing the ceiling higher, higher just um, soak up all the all the information from all these, you know, these NBL legends and these these future Hall of Famers, just to, just, you know, pick their brains and learn. You're a power forward. Yeah. Is, that, is that the position that you're, um, you're likely to stay at? Um, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, actually, it might, it might change between that and small forward. Because back home, I was playing a, a little bit of a mix of both. And um, during the preseason, I got a little taste of the small forward position as well. So I think I may drift in between those two positions. I, I did read that you'd shed 12 kilos um, before coming over. Is that a, a reason for the switch to small forward as well? Like you've trimmed up and, and become a, a, a bit more nimble, I guess? No, I actually, growing up, I was actually a guard, like playing a guard. Okay. So yeah, initially I was a guard, then I grew, got bigger, put on a little bit of little bit of KGs, not too much though. <laughs> Always about that. It's, it's the island food. It's the island food. <laughs> but then, no, yeah, and then that, that kind of just switched up my position and settled me into playing the four. But then, yeah, the, the weight loss again is going to it's going to put me in between playing those positions. I guess before we get into our, our last piece where we uh, Sarah's going to have a bit of fun with you, what's your best piece of advice or a good piece of advice that you feel you could share with young aspiring basketballers? Um. Actually, one of my teammates said this in, in recent interviews as well. He said, uh, be like a sponge and soak up all the information you can. 
that's nice. I like that. It's a good that's piece really of information. Sound advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, we like to run a segment called Tip On, and basically I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I don't want you to think too hard about it. It's meant to be fun and lighthearted and fast. So are you up to play the game? 100%. Yes. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Oh, I've been listening to as an Anthony Hamilton, just a little bit of Mellow Tunes. Yes. What was your first concert? Oh, my dad's one. Okay. Well, my dad was before me. Yet. Cool. Who was your most annoying teammate? Oh, his name is uh, Rangi Maria Mito. He's, from, he's back in Wellington. He's one of my good mates, but he's annoying. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Who was your sporting hero? Uh, Stephen Adams, for sure. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Oh, who run it by Squid It? Hey. Who was your favorite? Sorry, what was your favorite movie as a kid? Um. Oh, yeah, it was probably Funny Nemo. What's something you could eat oh. for a month straight? Uh, Galo Oka. <laughs> favorite place you've traveled to? Um, Egypt. Do you have a hidden talent? Yeah, I'm a gamer. You're a gamer. gamer. Are you a serious gamer? You got the headset, the sc- the multiple oh, I'm, screens. Yeah, I'm serious. My Ooh. my stuff is just set up right now. Just waiting for me. LED lights. Do you have like the colorful lights in your room? Oh no, no, no. That's a bit too serious for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a career in gaming too, isn't there? There, there is a serious oh, career in yeah. gaming. Is that what you're looking? There's for? a lot of money in it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there's a little side hustle. Yes, <laughs> but I don't get it. I mean, that, that's a story for another time. Tanya, I just want to say thank you so much for joining Dean and I on Can You Be More Pacific. We cannot wait to see what you do in the upcoming season. And uh, if you ever find yourself in Sydney, please don't be a stranger and come into the studio. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been amazing. That was Tane Samuel. He recently signed with the Brisbane Bullets and he's set to have his first match against the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're back with another question for our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. This is an opportunity for our listeners to ask either a former or current athlete absolutely anything. This week we received a question from Alina who is based here in Sydney and her question, Dean, is would you rather peak early or late in your career? Good question. That's that's a good question because I think when you're older and you're more mature in your career, you tend to appreciate what's going around you a bit more. And um, if you haven't had success earlier in your career, then I, I guess it, it becomes like, oh, I've worked so hard for so long to get to a point where I'm enjoying some success. So looking back, I, I, I was lucky enough. I won a premiership when I was uh, 22 years old. So very early in my so career. So young. Um, and which every year, every team's got guys that are you know young, early 20s, maybe some younger than that, that have some success. And I think I was playing good footy. I don't know if I was peaking in terms of my performance, but I was peaking in terms of what I achieved on the field. Um, I still remember it really well. I still appreciate what I did, and I'm still grateful that that was something that I can hold on to for the rest of my life with a group of guys that you know I'm connected to in that way. But I think I would have appreciated it differently in the later years of my career. So I, I would I would take the the other option. I wouldn't give back the premiership, obviously, but I would take the option of um, peaking, later. peaking later in my career because I think I would have just valued it and appreciated it more. Mm. What do you think? Still oh. very young in your career. Am I though? I'm 26. I'm not really young. You're still young. Am I? Yeah. What's considered an old footballer? 
well, 30 is when you start like getting like. Okay, well, I still got some time in the tank there, I guess. <laughs> uh, my opinion on this, I think it's a really interesting question. I think there are pros and cons of peaking at either side, but I think for, for a female athlete, you don't usually peak until you're a bit older. I think I'm a much better player now and a much more mature player now. So I think quite like yourself, because you can value the hard work that you put in because you value the sacrifices that are made along the way. Peaking at this point probably makes sense. And, you know, we're also heading into a World Cup year, so I feel like my peaking days are ahead of me, not necessarily behind me. If they're behind me, God, that's worrying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, this question begs another question, and as I'm talking to you, it's come up. Do all players peak? Yeah, that's. I'm thinking along the same lines. Like This is assuming that there's there's a peak... And then there's a drop off. Like, ideally, you want to get to a point where you're performing really well for a long time and being super consistent. That's what the best players in any sport can do, right? They they have longevity in their sport. So, like, if you peak early, but you can maintain that level of performance for the rest of your career, then why not peak early? (laughs) Then I have to ask you, what were the factors that came into play when you decided it was time for you to retire? Did it have something to do with peak or you are just like, I'm over this? No, that's a good point. I was definitely on the way down in terms of my performance physically. How did you measure that though? Speed. Like I was not keeping up at training. Like there was guys that were getting beyond my reach, I guess. And I noticed in games too, I was slowing down in between things. I was still, I could still do everything, but I don't think I could do everything to a level that I was happy with. So Mm. um, yeah, I just felt the game, the speed of the game was passing me by. So that was like, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the decline there. So and how old were you, sorry, when you, when 33, you retired? 33, yeah. I think, yeah. It's almost like 10 years, in a, oh, no, just over a decade after you won a premiership. Yeah, it was. It was over, yeah. So, um, and a long, a distant memory, <laughs> a great memory that still existed, <laughs> but a long time to get to the end. And I've got some friends that I played with in, in 05 that won late in their careers, another premiership, and I've, I know guys that have won at the bookend, either end of their career, and mm. they value them differently, like they appreciate them differently, each premiership, but... Um, I think I would have loved to have done that later in my career, but it didn't happen. It is right. what it is. So, Alina, to answer your question, both Dana and I would prefer to peak later in our career because we believe that we would value it a little bit more. Well said. So, if you have any questions or just want to ask us anything, please do. You can find me at Sarah Nangam on Instagram and Dean at Dean Halitau. So, please shoot them through. We'd love to hear from you. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. This week for Island Life, we're heading to PNG with our reporter on the ground, Skola Sengi. Let's head to her now. Thanks, Sarah and Dean. Joining us on the program, we have Henriella Velossi from Active Physio. Now, Henriella, take us through a typical day at the clinic. So I start at nine and finish around six, but there are some clients that I just make time for them in the afternoon that can't really take time off during um, work, working hours. So, yeah, we see sport, sports people, uh, some corporate clients. You're also uh, the PNG Rugby Union's Fair Educator, and earlier this year you ran a workshop with PNGRU on first aid in rugby, and it was the first time they had a combined workshop with the deaf rugby participants. Can you? Tell us a bit about that. Um, yes, yeah, so that was the first in the Pacific, that, that event. And it, it was something I was really proud of because we were able to contribute. After that course, we were able to contribute to World Rugby. So they, they're going to do up um, a 
course specifically for deaf with the current training and education online courses where um, will we be providing all you know been considering to master deaf community so by doing that we were able to evaluate and give feedback so um, in the future they'll do a, the course more relevant to the deaf group as well um, but it was really good I wouldn't have done it without the help um, of PNG Rugby, especially Salosi and Ian Liveras. So it, it was a, a challenge that I called Dr. Kapwa, the Chief Medical Officer for PNG Rugby, and Talema Waka, Manager of Training and Education of Senior Rugby. So all the community, we got one plus specific one in global rugby. So I had to sit down and just use my head and go. <laughs> but yeah, we had uh, help blow Haiti, Haiti, yeah? Haiti. Yep, Haiti. Yeah, so she was really good. But yeah, me pla find him out one where me pla can walk towards now, fixing the behind. So it's good. Okay. How did you get into the to be a PNGRU fair educator? Well, rugby has all these courses from coaches, medical professionals, and even players, the rugby community. There's only a few of us that attended the course to be fair educators. And um, me, one problem also. Now, me said this continue learning on this lab program, the fair. But this lab will definitely have been one plus challenge, thread, but I mean, me, how much that need to run him, so me, I can build him up uh, this lab. Program at the deaf community. PNG Rugby is driving the message or creating an inclusive environment for not just uh, administrators, coaching staff, and people in rugby involved in rugby apart from the players. How do you find working with the PNG Rugby guys to drive this message of inclusivity in sports? Obviously, it's going to be <laughs> challenging because we, not all of us, know sign language. Uh, Yes, but um, well, these people are in the community, so this plow literally something lo involving more lo play, involving more lo attending more first aid course. Me can talk this plow and good line initiative straight where PNG rugby this la time online lead. It bring him up because anything can happen to anyone, and if someone's deaf and stop lo up, at least also will away lo lo assist him on. And the other thing too, we have to understand their language as well. Because if you may not savvy, but you may think of them, oh, I'm this kind. But if somebody asked me if we were going to separate the group, mm -hmm. like deaf on the side and, and the hearing, the hearing yeah, on the side, let me talk, no God. We can have that, like all of us can be in one room, yeah. but practical sessions, let the hearing and the hearing impaired go to separate groups, but always present to each other so we understand each other's language. Yeah, so, where you know not to call them, oh, I'm not making right or this mm -hmm. like, you look him how to make him so you can serve it. That's the only way to, to get everyone together and work, work, work together. Yeah, work together. Were you like the only participant that, apart from being an educator, uh, you and Heidi, were there other women or girls involved in the course as well? I think there wasn't any other women, but um, the Salosi was there to assist us and Ian, Ian Rivers. Would you like to see more women from the rugby community 
participate in the first aid program too as well. Oh yes. And by good luck, but I mean since everything new plan now about PNG yeah. rugby <laughs> and hopefully by plenty changes by Tama. As a women practicing physiotherapy in the country or particularly in sports here in Mosby, have there been any challenges that you faced since sports is predominantly male? There's a lot of men involved apart from coaching, administration, participation. Has it been challenging for you since you started? The only challenge I think um, is the awareness around what a physio a physio can do or what the physiotherapist does in like in sports or any other area where physio can walk along. Lost man. Me yet as an individual minister, I I don't see like there's any barriers on the man or Mary. Maybe just because of the way I think or I, I don't know. <laughs> but I I don't see any barriers. Yes, um we always have those people that call out names but that to me doesn't stop me from doing what I do. Because yeah, out on the field I'm that person that's seen as by me saving or like players yes. from injuries or helping all mm-hmm. perform. So with what I do too, I mean, I mean, and in respect to mm-hmm. the sporting environment or the field. Are you like the only woman physio right now <laughs> or are there other women coming up? There, there are other women, but um, only not involved in muscle sports. So what, what I did just this year, yeah. I have an arrangement with Pom Gen mm-hmm. Hospital. So Miss Aximin of resident physios from Pom Gen to come out and practice with me um, during the weekends or mm-hmm. games. So we've started that with CRU and now game stops so we plan to continue. But if all stop, I'm going to continue again. So there's a lot of women. The team now that's coming on the field with mm-hmm. me, Blanty Mary, three plus boys that's are the rugby community receptive to the new women on the field, apart from you? Yes, yes. Are there things that they find a bit weird? <laughs> well, you miss a whole month and we some people are going to be around the want to be around the physios, but yeah, we're professionals. We have our barriers, of, I mean, boundaries, but they respect us. Uh, women are changing the narrative in workspaces, not just in the country, but around the world. With your role at the moment, how do you see yourself as women, not just in rugby, but in the sporting community, changing that narrative? Well, if you look him now, me kind of some low side, low, low rugby, mm-hmm. that face is always there. And if, even if they're playing somewhere, they'll, they'll still yeah. look for me. <laughs> I try as much as possible to set that standard because I know there are, there are girls out there that, that look up to me and they want to be in that space as well. Team travel, go anywhere, anywhere they see me with all these teams, they want to do that too. So as much as possible, me try to do what I do, but to that standard where even if I'm not teaching someone, only looking to soul and they, they try to come up to that level as well. And I always talk about, I mean, school, physio school too, because of the need for physio in the country. There's a really big need, but there's not many of us practicing because yeah, physio is still young in the country. Okay. Would you like to see more <laughs> women take up physiotherapy? Yes. And we had black horse, but I'm a good black horse. 
and you love it when you come to start working. <laughs> so I'd love to see a lot more women uh, in, I mean, joining us physios. You just opened your clinic recently too as well. How's that been going? Uh, really good. A lot of challenges, but I think my mind is already set in getting this up because yeah, I've, I've seen the need. So I can't just wait for people to do it. Me at me make him and then try to help the profession in the country and also help the country. COVID has disrupted a lot of sporting activities in the country. Has that affected your operations and the clinic too as well? Um, just outside the sports, but um, outside the sports, it's normal. Do you have a message for other girls who are thinking of taking up physiotherapy or undecided or still exploring that area? This last side, the message blow me in. If, if they're passionate about it's it's really with physio I see passion in um, like if I'm I'm satisfied when I do something to uh, something to someone now they improve like the change you see that's that's a satisfaction we get um, if it's something else like if you don't get satisfaction out of that and by challenging like little or work looks like I feel. If you love traveling, if you like getting involved in sports, just that out out of that profession, I think that's the right field for you. Where have you traveled? Good question. A lot of countries. The only continent I haven't been to is Africa. That's halfway across the world. Well, that's a lot of places to travel to as well. Henriella, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's back to you, Sarah and Dean. Well, that was a cool chat with Hendriella. It's great to hear what she's doing to help people that are hearing impaired and running programs to upskill communities that don't often get the, the same level of support through education and increasing the, the ability for them to do first aid. Yeah, it's really important work what they're doing over there. And Hendriella is right at the forefront of it all. It's really cool to hear that she is using her platform hopefully to inspire other girls to take up the role of being a physio and as she alluded to she's traveled all around the world the only continent she hasn't visited is Africa so you know it's a role that allows you to travel with sport and as we know sport takes you to places so a fantastic interview all around can you be more pacific keeping it social time to get into some socials my favourite part of the week. I've been like scouring the socials as usual. As usual. But I know that you have and you found something, Sarah. I did. Well, I do want to make an honourable... Well, I got two, first of all, I should got say. Two. I got two. You worked harder than me. <laughs> Always. What's new? What's new? <laughs> the NRL released a post in promotion of the NRL All-Stars and there's this really strong carousel of images between Māori and Indigenous players. And the first picture is of uh, Cody Walker and James Fisher-Harris. And I just love it because it's such a strong display of culture and I think it's the best way to do it. They've taken the time to, to do a really fresh promo and it's strong and it resonates with me. It's a good post and, yeah, I, I agree. It's about the players and their culture and um, why not have them as a centrepiece of this, yeah. this little bit. 
100%. I even got the girls in there as well. And yeah, it's just a really, really beautiful display of culture. But my second one. So as we know, the Dubai Sevens happened and uh, there was a match between the Fijian men and Scotland. This player makes a mad, mad breakaway. The only job left for him to do. He's already in the whitewash. All he has to do is put the ball down. But, you know, some players, they're like a bit of a carry-on. So this guy puts the – he gets there. He doesn't even turn around to see if there are any threats coming through. Full-on kisses his hand. (laughs) And this player from this Scottish player just comes and tackles him, and the ball comes loose, and he doesn't even score the try. Uh, that's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, just a little bit. So you know, I mean, it made it made great socials. So it gave me the laughs. Lesson is, don't celebrate till the ball touches the ground. Play through the damn whistle, man. That's no, right. play to the whistle. Sorry. Yeah, what yeah. about you? Well, my one, I, I mentioned, I gave a little bit of a hint to it in my NFL rap. So the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a good win on the weekend. Uh, Vita Vey, who's their nose tackle, so he's at the front of the defensive line um, trying to push through and, and get to the quarterback. He ran straight into an offensive tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. I think his name's Gwinski. Gwinski. He gets the helmet of Gwinski straight into his chin. So this goes to show that the helmets are, are good at protecting, but not when they're very loose. And he gets his front tooth not completely out. Take a look at Vita Vea here. Oh, he lost a tooth. And he's smiling. <laughs> That's oh, my best part. Yeah. And yeah, so Sky Sports have put it up on their Instagram and it's, look, it's not funny. It's just like, uh, that's what contact sports is all about. I'm sure you've seen some pretty nasty things on the rugby field as well. He's smiling as he walks off the field. Wear a mouth guard. I've seen him quoted as to say, ah, it's all good. I've got 32 others. So it might have been more than one. Oh, sorry, 30 others. This We're 32, right? That's the number. No, I'm not a dentist. Give me a second so I can count my teeth in my mouth. Anyway, he was pretty positive about it. And uh, yeah, I think he had some dental sponsors jumping up to try and help him. I mean, it'd be quite the flex if those sponsors jumped on it. Good work this week, Dean. I'm proud of you. Thank you. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week in the rock, we've got a few things to get through. I'm going to start with rugby. Rugby. In our look back on last week's sport, we mentioned the, the Wallabies lost to Wales and there was a couple of questionable decisions by the referee that Dave Rennie took exception to in his post-match presser. He did. He he, he held nothing. He, he, just, <laughs> he, he said exactly what he thought, but as we all knew, he would have to shortly follow that up with an apology. So Rugby Australia came forth to press to say that Dave Rennie does apologise for his behaviour towards the match officials. Match officials are the backbone. Dean Hallett has like, yes, recognise these men and what they yes, do. Yes. Um, so I think it was, a, it was a fitting gesture considering how much he unleashed, but you could totally tell he was stuck between a hard and a rock place when he, he made those comments. Didn't he say that there would be an apology or something? We'll get an apology through the week. But Next minute, he's the one that's apologising. Make, make the apology. The, the photo that I've seen on the website is here. He's got this this frown on his face. He looks very glum. He looks like, I don't want to apologise. looks like a little kid that's been in trouble. And But he stuck up for his teammates. Yes. He knows he had uh, – sorry, his players. And he knew he had to uh, correct himself and Rugby Australia and himself have done that. So well done, Dave. Yes, in lighter, brighter, and very exciting news, Melbourne Rebels have announced that their Super W players will receive payment for the upcoming 2022 season. This is huge. Yeah, this is great news. And they did it at the, the awards night for the season just gone, the 2021 season. So uh, a great 
place to, to make that announcement. Obviously, um, with all the players in the room, uh, they would have been very, I'm not too sure if they knew beforehand that this move was coming. If they were surprised by it, it would have been a great surprise. But um, a good move from the club to, uh, one, to say that they're going to they're gonna pay their players, but two, that they're moving into the um, high performance centre at Amy, Amy Park, Park, which is a really good facility. There's a number of uh, teams, sporting teams that use that facility top-notch gym, recovery centre, pool and all the like. So they'll get access to really good facilities as well as being paid. It's a good step in terms of professionalism for Super W. Super w. In addition to that, they'll have some double uh, header matches lined up with their men's team. And on December 4th, they're going to have a whole training session where it's just the men and women's team. So I think it's the step in the right direction. It's one thing to pay, but it's also another thing to recognise the women to be on the same level as the men. So I think they're making great moves and they're such a strong example to every other state to pay your women because they absolutely deserve to. Yes, well said and well done. Round of applause for the Melbourne Rebels. Love that. So this is a big move by the Melbourne Rebels, but what's what's the situation for the rest of the players in the Super W competition? They're the only Super W team that will be paid now, that's not to say that other clubs aren't trying to forge their own plans to see things go underway. And I know particularly for my own club, there are conversations that are happening, there are initiatives in place, um, but we're not quite at the place where we can confidently say we will be paid because it's it's not yet firmed up. So as it currently stands at time of recording, Melbourne Rebels, Super W team, are the only team currently in the competition that have paid plans for 2022. It astonishes me. How long has the Super W competition been going for? Uh, we'll be coming into our fifth year in 2022. And there's never been payments? No. I'm astonished by that. Mm. What about like uh, if you've – like last year you had to relocate up to um, Coffs northern Harbour. New South Wales, yeah, to Coffs Harbour for a camp? Yes. No payments? No. I, know you, I know you're up there and they pay for accommodation yeah. and, all, and all the rest no. of it. but. It's a, it's, it's quite alarming. And, and the truth is, you know, for a competition that started five years ago and was known for big trailblazing in that way, because New Zealand hadn't done it, you know, we were, were quite on par with the developments of the AFLW. And then to see it kind of slip a little bit in the past couple of years and see other sports surpass us and see competitions expand. And, you know, we see uh, the Super Rugby all picky paying plays in their first season. Like there are a couple of flags where you're like, wow, like wh- where are we? Where do we stand in this landscape? So, you know, you never want to doubt that the people in power aren't making moves. And I know for the administrators that I, you know, love and respect dearly that they're doing their part. But yeah, sometimes you, sometimes I, I should say, get a little bit disheartened and a little bit disappointed because yeah. I just wish our game was a little bit more forward than what it is. Well, hopefully this is the first step in the hundred percent. And every, next bunch what of it will steps. do, what it will do, no doubt, is it'll make other clubs look at themselves and say, "What are we doing um, to to be on par?" Because also worth noting, like the the Rebels girls only had their first win last season, so they haven't been the most successful, successful team, yeah. and yet they're the most progressive. Dare I say? So great initiative. Never want to dampen it, um, but really exciting for what it will do for women's rugby here in Australia. Hee hee. Hee hee. In the NRL, there have been a couple of exciting announcements and something a little bit controversial. Well, the good, the big announcement is the All-Stars is going to be played for the first time in Sydney. So that's Chee-hoo. really good for anyone, any local in Sydney that wants to get around um, it. Yeah, go and observe the, the spectacle between two cultures. It's always a really good event. The whole week of events that, that surrounds an All-Stars match is always pretty big. So um, it'll be played out at Western Sydney Stadium in Parramatta and it's a great facility, as we know. Hopefully the, the crowds will turn out and it's a good way 100% to kick they will off ball out for that. the Rugby League calendar in 2022. What's the, the controversial news? 
The controversial news is Brandon Smith, who we all know and love, hooker for the Melbourne Storm, recently appeared on a podcast and uh, spoke openly about his experience of going into the Roosters' camp to see what this club has to offer, noting their incredible culture that almost brought him to tears. This is controversial because it's been interpreted as him being, how would you say it, Dean? Ungrateful? Disrespectful? Well, well, that's, that's, I think that's the inference that a lot of people have made is that he, in, in praising, the, there's nothing wrong with praising the, the Roosters set up and being really impressed by their presentation, their culture, which I've heard is amazing. Like everyone that's at that club or that's been at that club feels re- well and truly a part of the whole Roosters organisation. All the things that he mentions are things that I've heard before. The one thing that really I liked about it was that they didn't parade him, that, that, that he was going to see the club. They did it all quietly. It wasn't until he said something that people knew that he was up there visiting them. But I think it's an unintentional um, backhand at, at the Storm, his current club, where he's going to be for the next year. And I think that's what rubbed, has rubbed people up the wrong way. Um, he's still got a year to play out there. Uh, they've, he's won a premiership there and he's no doubt made some lifelong friends and had some really good times. And, and from what I understand of the Storm, they're, they're a club with a really strong culture as well. And <laughs> no doubt. Look at their track record. Yeah, and their success kind of speaks to that, right? So that, that's been the most thing. I, I understand that he said things off the cuff and in the moment that may be misinterpreted or may not come across the way that he's intended or they may come across exactly how he's intended. I yeah. don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's left a, probably a bad taste in a few Storm supporters and maybe administrators' mouths. But no doubt, come first round, he'll be outstanding for them and everyone will forget about this. What's your thoughts on what he said? I'm just like, it is what it is. Yeah. He loved it. Like, he loved his experience. There, he speak yeah. highly, He's speaking highly of the club. He didn't drag down the Melbourne Storms. He absolutely knows. He, he almost oh. did in a way. Like, there's a few things he said comparing it to the Storm that made the Storm look, not look ordinary, but like he liked certain things about the, the Roosters over the Storm. And he yes. Made, he made that known. But you could almost respect that knowing that he didn't – we all know him. He's a very straightforward character. He doesn't really beat around the bush. Like, he just caught it for what it is. So, for me, I'm kind of like he totally respects where he com- he's coming from, but he's very much excited for where he's heading. He does sound excited, and I get that. Almost moved to tears, as he tells us. Yeah. In other NRL signing news, uh, the Dolphins – the, well, not the Red, I was just about said the Redcliffe Dolphins, but they're not. But they're not. They're, they're, not, the they're, not like, they're not geographically based. The Dolphins have announced their first marquee signing, and their only signing to date that I can recall, uh, Felice Kalfusu from the Melbourne Storm, the origin rep, Australian rep, premiership winning back row, gun player. Great signing. Great signing. But they're only signing. So far, they're only signing. And players at the moment are starting to get snapped up pretty quickly. We just seen, you know, we just talked about Brandon Smith and the Roosters, and um, there's going to be, between now and probably January is a flurry of activity in terms of those last minute players, but I would think the big ones are going to be gone sooner sooner rather than later. Um, So yeah, you'd think that they would have got onto this a bit quicker. I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle, but I think it'd be quite naive of us to think that they don't have um, some signings in the pipeline. So I think it's more so a watch this space, but I mean, a year and a bit out. They've also got uncle Wayne, Wayne Bennett. Mate, that guy can pull anything out of a bloody hat. Yeah. Trust in Wayne. Trust in Wayne. I like that. Hashtag trust in Wayne. Well, that's all we have time for, but we'll be back again same time, same place next week. It's all here. More there. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.